Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Melody Makers. Today, I'm interviewing an incredibly talented musician and composer, Richard Vreeland, who also goes by Disaster Piece. He is the composer to games like Fez, The Floor is Jelly, and Hyperlight Drifter. He also did the soundtrack to the 2014 horror movie, It Follows, and also has his own albums like Rise of the Obsidian Interstellar. How are you doing today, Rich? I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Just woke up an hour ago. I'm missing school. Really happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm really honored to have you on. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. All right, I'll start asking you some questions now. Let's do it. So I recently learned that you started making music around my age. How have you improved since you started? Did you have any music teachers or were you self-taught? Um, yeah. Um, uh, so I, I did take some lessons. Like I, I started, um, I started with guitar in high school and, um, I, I took guitar lessons for a bit. Um, but I, I kind of started to write music on my own. Um, and I was probably writing music for about, maybe a year or two or three before I um, <clears throat> applied to and got into uh, music school. Uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And um, I didn't study. I, I took some composition classes there, but like uh, counterpoint, like traditional writing. But I mostly focused on um, production while I was there. Um, and, but uh, yeah, I think along the way, I, um, you know, I, I taught myself how to play the piano, um, and that, that was like a really big, um, that was a really big boon for me to be able to accompany myself and, and, you know, have a, have a easier outlet, I think for, um, just like chords and playing chords and melodies at the same time. Um, and so since I started, I've kind of gravitated away from guitar a little bit, um, and uh yeah that was about 18 like 18 years ago so <laughs> that's how old i am so <laughs> that's really interesting would you recommend going to music school um i mean i would say it was very helpful for me um it you know i was really interested in pursuing music i didn't i didn't necessarily know what that was supposed to look like or or how but um i just knew that i i wanted to do it so um it was kind of risky i guess to 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 do that i was in i was actually in college for graphic design and i decided to drop out and do music instead um and I only applied to one school, which was maybe not the smartest, but I got in and um, uh, it was, you know, I learned quite a lot there. Um, it really helped kind of fill in the gaps for me as far as like um, production and like, you know, um, learning about music theory and like ear training, and all of that kind of stuff. It was just, it, it helped it was really helpful for me to have teachers 
um, and to just know like the kind of stuff that I could learn and incorporate. But, um, you know, music is like a very hard field to uh, make a living doing. So it's kind of a personal choice, I guess. Yeah. And nowadays you can really learn music however you want to with YouTube and all of that. So the opportunities are endless, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I do think that like sometimes it's hard. Um, sometimes it's hard to like uh, when you're young, it, it can be hard to know. Even when you're old, it can be hard to know like where to start and like what sort of information is useful and what sort of information is maybe less useful. And I think that's one of the main things that was really beneficial to uh, in going to like a prestigious music school is that they give you the um, the structure that's really helpful and like uh, having useful things to 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 learn and to work on. Yeah, you also get a lot of valuable connections by going. Yeah, that's true. Like I it, being in that environment around a lot of other musicians was really cool. Um, is a very kind of um, competitive, but also supportive kind of environment. Um, and one of the one of the most valuable things I did there was I was a part of this club called the Video Game Music Club, which was just um, a weekly meetup of students who were interested in um, working in games, who were who you know musicians. So we would like pool our resources together and. Um, you know, we would find out about events and internships and that kind of thing. And so it was it was cool to have um, a little community like that. And it went a long way, I think, um, for me as far as, like, finding um, things to work on and kind of having a having more of a direction as far as, like, what what I should what I could do to try to get into that space. What was the first project you ever worked on? How has your creative process changed since then? The first project I ever worked on was, um, what is it called? <laughs> it was called uh, Greater Evil Zombies. It was a, and it did. I don't even think it got released. But I, I worked on a couple of games with this company that made used to make games, um, and this was like the last gasp before smartphones before the iPhone was like uh, announced and everything changed with phones. And I worked on a couple of games with the, for this company um, where I had to make music and sound effects using, uh, using general MIDI. So I would basically submit MIDI files um, that had music and also MIDI files that were like sound effects. So I have, I have MIDI files that are like a chainsaw and like a zombie like howling and foots like foley and it's really weird um but uh yeah that's that's where it all started how old do you um, think there... those files are uh eight maybe 18 <laughs> let me see <laughs> uh 2006 whoa so there you go (laughs) 
What bands or musicians did you listen to growing up? Which ones were influential to your current style? Um, well, there were there were like the bands and music that my parents kind of introduced me to. Um, there was like the music from Charlie Brown, which was uh, Vince Guaraldi. And that was kind of my first real exposure to jazz. Um, and I still really like that music. Um, my mom really liked Joni Mitchell. That left an impression on me. Um, my dad really liked Queen. And um, my stepfather was really into the Beatles and, and Led Zeppelin. So those are kind of like some of the some of the music from my childhood. And then when I was a teenager, um, especially as I started playing guitar, I got really into new metal because that was kind of the thing in like, you know, the early aughts. So I was listening to like, um, like Linkin Park and Creed and all of those bands. But um, uh, I also got really into like Tool and Rage Against the Machine. Um, I love Tool. Yeah, I like, I really like old, especially older Tool. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, I, I made some friends, especially one friend in particular who was very much up on like music in general and he would just send me stuff. And so he introduced me to a lot of stuff that I didn't know, um, especially like old prog rock, like King Crimson and Yes, um, and like minimalism, like Steve Reich. Um, and so I went through I went through kind of a period where I was really into Steve Reich and like King Crimson and um, Mastodon. I started getting into like some metal stuff. Um, just kind of looking for like progressive type music. Um, and then I kind of like gravitated towards Impressionism and I got really into Debussy and Ravel. Um, then kind of had different, different phases where I got into different things, whether it was like, like film music, like Marconi or like um, Bossa Nova, like Ant Antonio Carlos Jobim. Um, and that's kind of like, and jazz too, for sure. Um, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where a lot of my influences come from. And then, oh, video game music, of course. <laughs> like, uh, especially Koji Kondo, um, you know, who did, you know, who does Mario music and Zelda. Zelda. Um, and Yasunori Mitsuda, who did the Chrono, the Chrono series, Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger. Those are really, those are really influential for me too. That was a lot of good information. I'm going to definitely check out all of the musicians that I've never heard of before that you said. Cool. <laughs> How did you get to know your doll? What were some valuable resources you used in your learning process? So um, the first DAW that I used, ever used was GarageBand. And um, I used that for a little while. And then when I went off to music school, um, they gave us Reason. And I think they gave us Logic, too. And I, kinda, I got really into Reason for a couple years. And um, uh, one of the albums you mentioned, Rise of the Obsidian Interstellar, which for people who don't, who haven't listened to it, it's like a, it's like a concept. It's like a, it's like a chip tune prog rock, space, like outer space concept album. Uh, and <laughs> that's that. I did that in Reason, and um, so I was doing a lot of chip tune type stuff in Reason for a couple of years. Um, and then we started using Logic in class when I was in college, and 
especially because it was so similar to GarageBand, I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. Um, and I've been using it ever since. So I've been using it for probably the last 15 years. Um, and it's hard to it's hard to like switch, especially after a long time, because it's just it becomes second nature to use it, and to switch would be, um, you know, takes it takes a lot of effort and energy to learn something new. Yeah, that's how I feel with FL Studio. That's my doll, and I tried learning Ableton for a while, but I was like, this is way too confusing for me. Every DAW is is like really different. Like FL Studio to me is like a total like nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so I find it really confusing. But every DAW has its own like workflow and like pipeline. So a way of and like abstractions about like how you think about tracks and recording and MIDI. It's all everything's different. So whatever works really. Yeah, just do whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. One year, sorry. One way your music is typically described as is that it has unique atmosphere and is full of emotions. What goes into your approach when creating a sense of mood and emotion in your music? Um, <laughs> since it's such a hard question to answer, uh, I think that I've always, as far as the uniqueness, I've always tried to like just lean into whatever I think is interesting and cool. Um, and I just in general don't, I don't really pay it. Like I don't, I write, I write music for myself. Um, so I think that that kind of, you know, I think that allows it to stay kind of authentic and to just have a particular style. Um, as far as like conveying emotions and moods, especially when I'm doing soundtracks, you know, I, I have a certain feeling in mind for like what something ought to feel like. It's not necessarily something that I can articulate. Um, I mean, I could try with like adjectives, but it's more of like a, it's more of like a, va like a phantom feeling. And I'll just start playing and like trying stuff and sort of like approximating what I'm trying to do. And I just, it's like making a million decisions and just basically doing an AB test and like picking the one that's closer. And so I'm always like honing it. I'm always like, basically that's like a blurry picture. And then I keep like, like keep hitting the enhance button, <laughs> like keep trying to get closer to the target of like what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish. Do you think you have synthesia or anything like that? Do you or mean synesthesia? Yeah, sorry. That's okay. No, no, I don't have synesthesia. Um, sometimes I think I have perfect pitch because I can kind of guess what the note is. I go to the piano, but it's not consistent, so I don't think I have perfect pitch. But hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> You have composed for a wide variety of projects, ranging from indie games like Fez and Hyperlight Drifter to movies like It Follows. How do you adapt your creative process to, new, to suit different projects? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, every, I mean, that's kind of been my MO my whole career is that I really enjoy working on things that I find to be different than other projects that I've done. 
Um, so there's always a little bit of novelty in whatever I'm tackling. Um, you know, obviously there's differences in meet different mediums, like whether you're working on a game or a movie, there's just some like fundamental differences in how you would go about that. Um, there's obviously differences in personnel and like, so that, that changes the way that you might work, but even within games, you know, it can be pretty different. Like I've worked on games where, you know, I, I just had to write looping music and I've worked on games where everything was procedural and I most, most of the time was spent coding. So, um, that's, but that's kind of what I, that's what I love about it. Like, that's what's, that's what I find, um, exciting, um, about tackling different things. So, I mean, I, I would say that I, I'm a bit of a tinkerer. Like I like to tinker with the creative process. So on every project I, you know, I certainly have go-to ways of working. Like I like to sit at the piano and like explore musical ideas that I think would be, would lead me down the right path for a project, even if I don't actually end up using any of that. Um, but I'm always open to trying something a little bit different to see if the outcome will be different because I find that if you change the tool, you know, well, it's, it's not something that I've discovered. It's, I think it's, it's, you know, it's pretty well established that like, if you change the tools, it will change what you can do. So to me, the creative process is, is also kind of like a tool. And so it's fun to experiment with how you go about things, whether it's like, you know, writing music with a different instrument um, or, you know, sometimes like coming up with a, like a, like a little game that you can play with yourself to like generate creative ideas. Um, I'm always, I'm always experimenting with that kind of stuff. I know Brian Eno has a card deck of creative ideas that you can use. Yeah, I have a copy of that right here. Really? Um, yeah, and I actually, at one point I was working on a website that was like sort of a taking that idea and kind of fleshing it out. Wow. Like I wanted to, I wanted to do one that um, sort of like a card deck where it would give you creative prompts, but instead of having all the prompts be super abstract, it would be fun if the prompts were more specific, like a specific scale or like a specific um, time signature or, you know, like, a, generate a combo of things like you know this style this tempo you know this you know you know what i mean like it's just different kinds of um different kinds of like creative triggers to just kind of get you going in a different direction would you ever release that on your main website yeah yeah i'm get i'm gonna get to it one day <laughs> <laughs> i want to make a video that's like uh the random song where i just use it to like make every decision and just see what happens. I think that would be cool. I'm really excited to see that. <laughs> awesome. What are your favorite chords to use? How do you learn new chord voicings? Um, hmm. Well, there are just some chord voicings that are really simple and great. Um, like playing a tenth with a fifth between it is just the simplest best sound i love that sound um i i often think about like learning more of chord voicings and i just never get around to doing it so i definitely kind of end up you know reusing the same chord voicings a lot 
Um, Same. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Mm. I don't know. Um, sharp nine chords are cool. Neapolitan six chords. Um, I I kind of went through a phase where I was experimenting a lot with with um, uh, Phrygian, which I kind of avoided. I kind of avoided a lot of it for the most part. Um, but there are some really nice kind of patterns that you can come up with in Phrygian that have a really beautiful sound. So, you know, it's uh it's a process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite mode now? If you have one. Favorite my favorite mode. Um I don't know. I think I've I think I've over I've like gravitated, I don't want to say overused, but I've definitely gravitated towards certain modes. I definitely used I've definitely done a lot of Dorian and a lot of Lydian. Um so I think that's part of why I actually like I have a game, a little music game I made called January that um generates music by licking snowflakes and it uses all of the modes of the diatonic scale except for locrian and phrygian so i like i kind of in a recent project um uh this game paradise marsh um i was kind of experimenting a lot more with phrygian i don't think there's any phrygian in the game actually but i was experimenting a lot more with it and finding that it's it's actually really it's a really beautiful mode if you can kind of get into it and find the right like intervals and stuff to use and like movements what modes did you use for hyperlight drifter typically um there's definitely dorian in hype there's definitely a lot of dorian in hyperlight drifter um and I'm pretty sure there yeah, there's definitely Lydian. I think there's like Lydian the uh the frog boss fight I think is Lydian like Lydian dominant. Has Lydian dominant stuff in it. Um I don't really think about modes that much when I'm writing. I just kinda I just kind of use my ears a lot to kind of make decisions. So sometimes I'm in a mode and I throw in a I throw in a bat, you know, like an extra note or something. I'm like, yeah, that, that works. And then it just kind of leads me somewhere else. Um, so that's kind of how I tend to go about it. Do you ever improvise your songs? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> depending on what you mean by that, I, I might improvise everything. Like, uh, I think, um, you know, like uh, speaking of Hyperlight Drifter, the the piano piece, Panacea, that was just kind of a like an improvised vamp that I was doing on the piano, and I I I just recorded myself playing it. Um, that song is really pretty, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I think with some of those things, like I'll I'll record like ten minutes and then I'll I'll edit it down to just the best parts. Um, so I think there's probably like a a version of that that's like twice as long and i just kind of like you know try to pick pick the parts that sounded the best have you ever sampled your own songs before yeah um on the fez soundtrack there's a track called glitch because there's a level where 
the entire world is kind of glitching the, all the tile sets in and out. And so I used, uh, I used assets from all the other, pretty much all the other songs in the game to make a new piece of music. Um, that was a really fun prod. Like that was a really fun experiment to do. Do you remember what inspired your song rain and C minor from the floor is jelly? What else inspired the soundtrack? <laughs> um yeah so rain and so the rain the rain music from that game there's a there's a section of the the world that's where it's raining the whole time and my initial idea with that was i wanted every raindrop that hits a platform to trigger a sound and i remember working with a developer to implement that and it was very expensive to do and so it just didn't seem practical especially you know back in like 2013 using flash like it, it wasn't a very performant type of system how much do you so, think it would have been money wise like oh money wise like to get that developed oh um I don't know if Flash could handle it <laughs> just at all. I don't. I don't know if there's enough money in the world to make it work. But um, so instead of doing a system, I just made. I just came up with a like a compositional process where um, I think I was just like I think I was just kind of like throwing my fingers around on the keyboard and different chords. Um, and so the the in the game, you know, it's just made up of all these loops that are like lots of little pitter patter, different chords. And to be fair, like I had worked on Fez a year earlier or, or two, and it has a piece in it called, um, is it? What is that piece called? I don't know. It's a piece. It's a it's a song that plays in the graveyard, and it has. It has, um, uh, oh, I think it's fear. It, it has uh, like big, th uh, the, the structure of the music is like these big bombastic chords that kind of represent thunder strikes. And then as the thunder strike subsides, you get these little like pitter patter, like arpeggiated chords that are meant to, meant to mimic rain. And so rain and C minor was kind of like an extension of that idea of the rain, um, but with like a more high fidelity kind of sound. Um, and the idea of like uh, these kind of like landmark sounds that were mapped to the puzzle solving that you do in the game. And that idea was actually inspired by music for 18 musicians by Steve Reich. Oh, I've actually um, listened to that. That's really good. Cool. Yeah, it's a great piece of music. And if you've listened to it, you know that it's like it, it's very soundscapey um, with like sort of the pulsing like minimalistic rhythms but then it has these very like these very strong um like maybe three or four note like uh phrases that denote um they denote like sectional shifts in the song and so i kind of use that idea for um you know solving puzzles like a lot of the puzzles in in that rain area they'd have like um, I think like three or four things that you had to do 
And then once you did those, the puzzle would be solved and, you know, the window would open that you could go through. And so I made these little, like, you know, these little chimes basically that um, would play over the, the pitter patter rain sounds. Did you ever record actual rain for the Foley in the game? No, I think, I think all the, almost all the sound effects in, in that game are just our freesound.org samples that that were like manipulated i've actually used freesound.org on a lot of my projects just because it's easy it's the fastest easiest thing to do i've Um, never heard of that website oh well it's it's a good one speaking of that where do you typically search for samples um i once i started making money i got into the habit of buying sample libraries. Before that, I kind of just ripped everything. Um, you know, I had friends in college and stuff who knew like websites where you could get stuff. Um, but for, for quite a long time, I've just been buying sample libraries. Um, as far as like free stuff goes, um, there's a ton of sound font stuff. Uh, that's pretty interesting. There's a sound font website that I is really cool and it is called musicalartifacts.com. Oh, I know that oh, one. Dad. Yeah, it's really cool. There's there's just um there's a lot of interesting samples from like the the 90s, like old hardware samplers and keyboards. Um like the Korg M1, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and I I kind of went through a phase where I was like tracking a lot of that stuff down and making my own like contact patches. Um, so yeah. <laughs> well, it helps you learn sound design. Do you have any advice for someone struggling with it? Um, I mean, I, I think in general, the, what's, what's always helped me the most is, is like trying to do it. And even if I'm failing at it, um, the process of doing it is helpful. Um, I don't know if I have advice like sound design is as a standalone kind of art has never been a strong suit of mine. I think, I think in the context of music, uh, I've kind of made it like a big part of my process, but for me, um, I had an opportunity to do some sound design because of, I had school projects where we were required to do it. And those were good experiences for me. Um, uh to just try it and see see how it works and um i think you know i i found that it was interesting it it wasn't it's not i don't think it for me it's not as fun as writing music but um uh they kind of go hand in hand they do and like there have definitely been projects where i tried to blur the lines between music and sound design like um like hyperlight and and fez are two games where like i i wrote music but i also made all the ambiences and so that gave me like kind of more um just more creative space to kind of explore how those things interact with each other um so yeah maybe maybe a good advice especially for a musician who's interested in sound design is is to 
is like working on your sound design chops within the context of writing music. Um, and then see, see, you know, see where that gets you. Do you know the general gameplay mechanics of the games you compose for ahead of time? If so, how does that knowledge affect how you create their soundtracks? It affects, it affects the music like a, a ton. Um, when I first started writing music for games, a lot of the projects I was working on, they would just send me a picture. <laughs> like, here's the screenshot of the level, like write some music. And then I would just send a file over and, and that the game would come out and the music I wrote would be in the wrong level. So uh, that wasn't my favorite. Uh, and very early on, I felt that I wanted to be closer to the action. Like I wanted to have, I wanted to be a part of the implementation process. And so, um, you know, that, that often means, you know, having source control access to the game, to the, to the repo where the game is being, like if you're working with multiple people, and especially if they're multiple people doing coding type stuff, or anything with assets, um, you know, it would be customary to have a repo, either like a Git repo or, um, you know, Subversion or I'm trying to remember what the other one is called. I can't remember. But um, basically, you know, for, for like a, quite a while ago, I started getting involved with, you know, being able to actually like build the game, um, you know, make, make edits, whether it was like a, a system as simple as like, here's, I don't know, a text file that has numbers in it and you tweak the numbers to change the volume all the way up to, you know, coding your own implementation of, of sounds. Um, um, I kind of forgot the question. What was the question? Um, Sorry, I forgot too. Okay, I kind of I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but um I think I was just trying to say that um uh Oh, it was about mechanics and how that affects the music. Yeah, like um I was just I was just trying to say that like I got into the habit of actually playing the game while it was being made. Um and you know, having the ability to actually put music into the game, to hear it in context, to see really how it feels. And there's, there's no real replacement for that. I mean, you can, you can score footage, which can be helpful. Um, but, but depending on the type of game it is, that might, there might be limited um, value in that, or it might actually be overly tedious to do. Like, uh, you know, some of the games I've worked on, like Mini Metro, Mini Motorways, because those games basically have their own samplers built into the game engine that trigger a lot of different sounds to do that, to kind of like concept that out in a DAW um, was pretty tedious. And so I would typically only concept out like, you know, 20 to 30 seconds of it. <laughs> um, and then I would be like, okay, this is exhausting. So just do enough to, kind of get a sense of what I what direction I want to go in and then I would kind of take everything over to code. Um so yeah, there are like different ways to to do it, but in in any case it's 
it's really important, I think, to have a sense of the rhythm of the game. And the rhythm of the game often comes from the mechanics. Um, yeah. So it's a valuable tool, in your opinion, to also think like a developer as a composer? I think so. I mean, everyone has going to have their own approach. But um, it's. I think it's served me well to to learn more, you know, to learn about that side and to actually get my hands dirty. Um, I will say that at times it has caused me to go down some really deep rabbit holes that maybe weren't worth the time. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, this coding is inherently technical and it can get really hairy. Um, whereas, you know, writing a piece of music in a DAW is pretty simple, pretty straightforward from a technical standpoint, com comparatively. Um, so there are drawbacks. But um, I think for me, it, it really it really opened up the possibility space of music and games and it, it made it even more fun for me to like just explore what sort of what the creative potential is there, like what, what kind of things you can do, not just with say the sound of your music, but also like the function of it, like how it behaves, how it reacts to gameplay and all that kind of stuff. Have you had any memorable collaboration projects? Would you ever collaborate with other game composers like Lena Rain? Um, I, I've I've never been a huge uh, component of like, well, not component. I've personally I've never really found a good flow when it comes to collaborating with another composer. Um, I've done some collaboration projects where, um, you know, we explored different processes. Like, you know, I have some old albums where, like I have a really old album called Serial Code where I worked with another musician and we kind of like passed files back and forth. Um, and so, you know, I would work on it for a little bit and then they would work on it for a little bit. That was kind of interesting. Um, I also did some work on a project that we ultimately did not did not end up happening where an, a friend of mine and myself, we, we would basically sit in a room all day and, and make music and we made some really cool stuff, but also it was like very, I, I found it to be very kind of draining. <laughs> it's very taxing for me personally to like have that um, added kind of accountability. Whereas I think when I'm just by myself, I can kind of just get into a flow and it, it's, it's easier. It's just easier for me. Um, so the kinds of collaborations that I've tended to do have been cross medium, like, you know, writing music for a game and collaborating with a creative director on, you know, like the kind of the direction that we're going with everything as opposed to like, you know, two people making a track or, or whatever. Do you have any struggles with promoting your music? What is that process like? I think I've been really fortunate before my first big break, which was Fez in 2012. Before that, I was finding things to work on, um, smaller things. And I think that I attribute that to going to a lot of game-related events, um, playing live shows, having a, having a strong web presence, which was like having a having a comprehensive website and also like being active and like game developer forums and stuff like that. 
Um, I think all of that helped me as far as marketing. Like, just to me, marketing, I think, was just, you know, let um, prioritizing people knowing that I exist. <laughs> and I think, you know, the most successful marketing that I've ever done is just being involved in a really successful, commercially successful game. Um, there's no, for me, there's really, there's really been no, um, nothing that comes close to that. And I think I, I never had a really great appetite for marketing and PR. So I feel fortunate that I was able to build a following through the projects that I've worked on. And that's kind of allowed me to do the bare minimum of marketing, which for me is like, I have a band camp that people can follow and I put, I put music out on there and I have a mailing list and I, you know, I announce stuff on there when, when it comes out and, and I have a website that has a lot of information on it and I have a YouTube channel. I post videos sometimes and that's really about it. I mean, um, there, there's a lot of built-in market. Like I said, there's built-in marketing if you do soundtracks. So I've always been, um, a benefactor of that, but, uh, I've never really any sort of tradition, like, my experiences with traditional marketing type stuff have been minimal. Um, I've, uh, I've just, I, I don't really have a big appetite for it. And I've been fortunate enough where I haven't felt like I absolutely had to do that. I think there's also a saying that like 90% of marketing is word of mouth. So I think it was really a good thing that you found people that really liked your music and they started talking about it and then it just spout spiraled from there yeah absolutely i think um i think a lot of the you know a lot of the um marketing that people do on like social media is is kind of like low retention rate like it's it's kind of surface level if you're just like pushing your stuff out to into the void um uh like you said you know people yeah the word of mouth is really is really valuable and I, I really put a lot of emphasis on having a mailing list because I like that people are explicitly saying, yes, I want to, you know, I, I want to, I want to hear more about what you're doing in like a format that's a little bit longer, like more long form. Um, and uh, yeah, because I don't want to be, I don't want to be trying to like, I don't really want to be vying for people's attention in, in like, kind of a soundbite ish kind of way. Um, I'd rather like, like I personally don't really do social media that much. So it's, it's more, it's more chill for me to not participate if I can. What should someone start working on now if they're a complete beginner and want to get into the game or film industry? Um, write a lot of music <laughs> and share it with people. That's, I mean, that's, that's sort of the fun, that's like the foundation of my entire career is just that I really liked making music and I was really excited to share it with people and see what they thought. And that everything that I did kind of, you know, grew out of that. So that would be my advice. So basically just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah, just, yeah, just do it. <laughs> and don't be afraid to suck. <laughs> You are going to suck when you start out. 
everyone does. Yeah, you might you might see the potential in some avenue of what you're doing, but there's definitely going to be areas where you're not good and you could improve. For sure. Yeah, and even also, I don't know if you struggle with this at your point in your career, but I feel like no matter how good you think you are, there are going to be good days and bad days too. Like one day you'll compose a really good song and the next day it'll just be like <laughs> not good at all. Yeah, for sure. No, no, it's totally true. I mean, sometimes the first the first crack at it is amazing and you're you're like how how did I get so lucky? Other times it takes like 4 or 5 or even more times and sometimes the best thing you can do is just walk away from what you're doing and give yourself some time to rec- recuperate and listen with fresh ears. You might even come back and re-listen to what you made and be like, it wasn't, it's not really that bad. And maybe you get back into it and you figure out how to make it better. Or maybe it was bad and you just start over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a process. It's, it's definitely not always going to be easy. Just don't worry about it too much. Yeah, exactly. Are you working on any current projects? Any games or movie scores in the works? Um, the only thing I'm working on right now is a content update for the game Paradise Marsh. Um, and that should be coming out pretty soon. Beyond that, um, probably going to take some time to work on personal projects that I've been sitting on. I have a lot of unreleased music that I need to, that I need to get out there. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for the interview. Okay. As part of cool. the podcast tradition, I like to have artists who come on give a demo of an unreleased song. Would you be willing to do that? If not, it's okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I have anything that fits that. Um, yeah, I could probably, I could probably send something kind of random. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'll just, I'll email it to you if that works. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching. That's going to be it for today's episode. If you like, if you enjoyed, make sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. You can say bye too, Rich. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.